Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc., This is the Court Today replay on C103. And as was predicted with the weather, we've had a nice dry spell, but rain on the way and we can expect some showers across the weekend uh, as well. Very good morning to you. You're very welcome to Friday's edition of Cork Today with John Paul. Taking your calls, if there's anything you'd like to share with us this morning, we always love to hear from you. 1850 and texts and WhatsApps available at 86 2103103. Some of your texts already coming in, uh, particularly on the Eurovision Song Contest and Ireland once again crashing out of the Eurovision Song Contest last night when young Sarah McTiernan failed to make it through to the grand final, which is on tomorrow night. I think we, everybody accepted and knew that it was going to be a very tough battle for Sarah. She was in the stronger of the two semi finalists two semi-finals there was some really really strong songs last night and people who really watch the Eurovision closely reckon that the winner this year's winner was actually in last night's show it was one of the songs that got through from last night now we'll only have to, we'll have to wait until tomorrow for that so a bit of disappointment for uh, Ireland with young Sarah not making it through and then it just it sort of it slightly takes away from the Eurovision itself even though the show was such a great big spectacle and Israel let's be honest they are putting on the, the last two semi-finals if they're anything to go by we are in for a cracker of a show uh, tomorrow night but already some of your thoughts are coming in. Cathy says Ireland should have boycotted the Eurovision when they had the chance to do it. It would have saved the embarrassment of last night, says Cathy. Oh, that's a little bit harsh. Uh, somebody else felt that Sarah delivered a very solid uh, performance. But a couple of others, I think, agreeing with the point that I made with uh, Simon yesterday, it just it wasn't the best song in the world. And I think no matter what kind of a solid performance you put in, if you don't have the song, at the end of the day, it is a song contest. You will certainly gain extra points for the staging of it and the whistles and bells and all of that that they add to it. But if the actual song isn't good enough, you know, you're really not going to get very far. And I just think it just wasn't a very strong song. Anthony says, pity Sarah didn't get through last night. She was very good. So there's somebody who did like it. See, some people like it. Uh, some people didn't. It wouldn't. Uh, from the first time I heard it and, it, you know, it's catchy if you, if you listen to it for a few times but the songs for the Eurovision have got to from a voting point of view and the fact that 50% of the vote by the general public the first time you hear the song there has to be something in it that you like 
in order to make it stay in your head, in order to make you consider giving it a vote. And I think that's where we fell down with this uh, particular song. But of course, the biggie for tomorrow night is going to be the Interval Act. Not that it will come anywhere near what we did with Riverdance, but Madonna, I don't ever think in any previous, it's the 64th Eurovision, have they ever had such an international star take to the stage as part of the Interval Act. Now, Madonna has been responding to criticism from Palestinian activists about her plan to perform tomorrow night. But she stated she wants to use her performance to create a new path towards peace. And only time will tell if there's going to be protests. There are expected to be protests tomorrow night outside of the event. Now, whether that's going to be reflected and people are going to see it on air or not, I don't know. And there has been a lot of pressure put on the Irish delegation in recent weeks to not perform and to boycott it. And those boycotts and the call for a boycott by countries has gone on, I take it, in every single country that's uh, performing But all 41 countries still decided uh, to take part. But there's still people very, very unhappy about the fact that the Eurovision Song Contest is going ahead in uh, Israel. So it goes ahead tomorrow night and it goes ahead without uh, Ireland. Will you still be watching it? And uh, is it again that argument that we've been talking about comes up every year? Is it, uh, is it time for us to walk away from the Eurovision Song Contest or is there still something exciting about still being involved in it even when we don't do too well? Will we ever go back to the glory days of, of a win? One of the ones that I'm picking to keep an eye on tomorrow night is the song from the Netherlands and it is a guy, he was one of the last to perform last night and it's a guy sitting down with a piano and I think he's proving that a good song, if he wins, he will prove that a good song can win and that you don't need the dancers, you don't need all the lights, cameras, action and acrobats and people swinging out of poles. You don't need any of that if you have a good song, which if you look back on all of the Irish wins, they they were just good songs and they were good songs that have stood the test of time. And even even still, I don't think any of Ireland's winning songs, you'd say, was a bad song. They were all good songs. So... Do, how do we go back to that formula? How do we go back to getting the formula of getting someone to write a song that's going to be well received right across Europe? And I know you you could say that the landscape of Eurovision has changed in that all of the Eastern Bloc countries now are in and back in the day when we were winning it, all of those other countries weren't involved in the type of music they like might be nothing like the type of music we, we like, what they deem a good song, we might deem a good good song and on and on that argument goes. Anyway, Eurovision tomorrow night. If you have a view on it, we'd love to hear from you. 1850 We are also going to speak with the group who go under the banner Disadvantaged Farm legal challenge. They were set up about six or seven years ago when there was a problem with funding coming from the EU and it was affecting farmers living in disadvantaged areas. And a public campaign, I remember we did many interviews at the time about it, but a public campaign along with a fundraising campaign kicked off. And yesterday, just out of the blue, for no apparent reason, we got an email in from 
a farmer in the West Cork area saying, whatever happened to that legal challenge? A lot of money was collected. Where's the money? Are they going to give the money back if they're not going to do the legal challenge? What exactly is going on? So we're going back to the source and we're going to speak with the Disadvantaged Farmers Legal Challenge Group today on the programme just to get the update, particularly for people who were affected and also for people who donated cash to that fund to mount the legal challenge to the EU against the Irish government. So we'll have the latest on that on the programme. We're also going to go out onto beautiful Cape Clear this morning to find out why they are planning on switching off the lights at the end of the month. It'll be this weekend, not this weekend, the weekend afterwards. They're, they're, they're taking part in a Dark Skies initiative. We're going to find out more about Dark Skies. And you also have the opportunity to set. There's tickets on sale if you want to go along. There's a number of events across the weekend to coincide with this. But all the lights are going out on Cape Clear and we want to find out more. We are continuing as we've been doing every day at this week to preview some more of the electoral areas for the local elections which are taking place this day. Next week polling stations will be open so we've under a week to go and I say that for the people who are sick and tired of the elections. Um, A journalist who should remain nameless uh, was talking to John Paul yesterday to say he's absolutely sick of it. He thinks next Friday can, just cannot come quickly enough for uh, him. So I don't know how many other people are sick to the teeth of it. I imagine the candidates are starting to get a bit tired. They certainly have had good weather for the last couple of weeks to get out and about canvassing and that makes the canvas a little bit better if the weather is fine. But my, I'd love to know how many pairs of shoes they've gone through without, you know, every single evening and day out going door to door and, you know, taking abuse, particularly sitting councillors. I always think they have probably the tougher of the campaigns when they're out and about on the canvas trail because they can literally be attacked over something that happened within the, you know, verbally attacked, something that had happened within the council and people could get blamed for something that happened. Whereas if it's a new candidate, they can always say, oh, I wasn't there, it was nothing to do with me. So I imagine the candidates themselves will be delighted that we have one week to, to go. So today we're going to go to West Cork and we're going to look at the political landscape in West Cork because that's changed as indeed a lot of the electoral areas I think nearly every interview we've done so far with the various local journalists areas have changed there's new areas coming in there's other areas being taken out we know the boundary has changed and people who had been voting for in county council elections will next Friday discover that they're voting for Cork City and I said this yesterday no matter how many times we're talking about it no matter how many column inches are in the newspapers there will still be people this day next week who will go into their polling station looking for a particular name and the name won't be on it and they'll be wondering why and there'll be others going in and all the names will appear new and they won't know who anybody uh, is. So you do need to do a little bit of research to find out who the runners and riders are in your own area and that's one of the reasons that we've decided to preview each of the different electoral areas across Cork County Council and today we are looking to West Cork where they now have two 
there was one West Cork electoral area, West Cork Municipal District. I think when they eventually go back into the County Council, they'll all fall in under the West Cork Municipal District. But for the election purposes, they've been divided into two. So we'll talk about those on the programme uh, today. Uh, and just by the way, because there was some confusion about count centres early on in the week when we were previewing one of the other electoral areas. Just to let you know, there, it will start out at two initial count locations tomorrow week, Mallow GAA Complex and Clonakilty Community Centre. Now what happens in the Mallow GAA Complex, the local electoral area boxes for Cove, Formoy, Mallow, Middleton, Carrigaline, Canturk and McCroom, that's a lot of boxes, will arrive into Mallow GAA Complex. Once they are opened, they with the various papers will be verified and segregated. The Europeans the locals and the referendum. The European papers will go to Nemo for counting on Sunday. The locals go to Cork County Council. They'll be divided between Mallow Youth Centre and Cork County Hall. And then the referendum votes, they will remain at Mallow GAA Complex for final counting. And then similar happens in Clonakilty Community Centre. All the boxes arrive there from Bandon Kinsale, Bantry West Cork and Skibbereen West Cork. Same thing, they're all open, segregated. All the papers are divided up, European, local and referendum. And then once that's completed, the referendum uh, papers then will go to Mallow GAA Complex for final counting and the Europeans will go to Nemo for counting on uh, Sunday. And then at that, that point, the local papers uh, will start to be counted. Now I know, and I don't know if it's going to be the same for Clonakilty, but certainly for Mallow, for, and I'm assuming it will be the same for County Hall, the actual voting proper doesn't start until three o'clock in the afternoon and I'm, I'm assuming it will be the same in Mallow as well. So the Mallow Youth Centre in the afternoon of Saturday, they will count for Mallow, Canturk and for Moy. In the Community Hall in Clonakilty, they'll count for Bandit, Kinsale, Bantry and Skibbereen. And then the count, County Hall in Cork will count for Middleton, Cove, McCroom and Carrigaline. But we should have tally results when they start to open the boxes at Mallow GAA Complex but with seven local electoral areas that's going to be hard work good luck to all the tallies people who are the most amazing bunch under the sun and it will be the same in Clonakilty they'll start the tallies as soon as the boxes are opened that's all for tomorrow week 1850 and don't forget it is Friday so we'll go to the movies with Mark Malone after half twelve today on the Eurovision uh, Trish says Pat uh, disappointing that Sarah didn't get through last night but she was the weakest on the night the staging was terrible her voice was weak and she looked lost on the stage in regards to the boycott the Eurovision Song Contest was formed to bring Europe together after the war and it's still bringing people together so no we shouldn't boycott we just need to make more of an effort looking forward to tomorrow night's show and come on Azerbaijan I fancy a trip to Baku next year says Pat Ashley Azerbaijan is one of the songs that's on my list that's the guy singing and it sounds like is he saying shut up it's a very really really catchy tune I have that on my list as well did you put any money on it uh, Pat you need to get in early and put your bets on if you did you're, you're already doing well because they did qualify last night and someone else by text says the Irish girl that was Sarah uh, was lost last night while she did her best her diction according to this text there wasn't great it was awful you couldn't understand the words did anybody else notice that I thought the sound quality was down as well I thought she sounded a bit breathless you know she seemed, she seemed to be like gasping in between to get to the next note because she's got a great voice 
and we've known from her, she was in The Voice, wasn't it, or one of those shows, that she has a great voice. She's well able to sing, but she does, she appeared under pressure. Now, maybe it was nerves as well, because that is a big, big stage to go out onto knowing that there's millions uh, watching you. 1850 333 103. We're going to take a break and we are back chatting about the disadvantaged farmers' legal challenge. Court today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850 333 103. Now, yesterday we had a text in from a listener that read Patricia, hi. I would like to ask whatever happened with the money that was collected from farmers all over the country to take the government to the European. Court of Justice over the cutbacks to land eligibility. Where is this money? Nothing has been done or heard of since it was collected. It's now five or six years later and a new round of cap will be coming in soon. Has the whole thing been a fruitless exercise? Please ask some of those who were involved at the time. Also, I would like to know how much was collected, where is the money and if and when it will be refunded. And it was signed a West Cork farmer who contributed. Now Dermot Keller of the ICSA is chair of the group who are known as the Disadvantaged Farmers Legal Challenge and uh, Dermot joins me. Good morning to you Dermot. Good morning Patricia. Now I suppose uh, for those outside of farming remind listeners why the group was set up. The group was set up uh, Patricia because Coveney was the minister at the two times Simon Coveney and the department got this idea that Anybody that was on a marginal land, that his land would be classed as ineligible. But where it came from was that if you had 40 sucking cows, regardless of what type your land was, you 40 sucking cows, you built up an ineligibility of maybe roughly 10,000 euros a year. And then, after so many years, Mr. Corbett said, no, no, that land isn't good enough, we're taking half the money off you, even though the animals were still, in, still there, do you understand? Mm-hmm. And it's actually very ironic, because at the moment there are jumping up and no know about habitat and the environment. And biodiversity. Biodiversity, the, you, you, you have it all. And I remember telling Mr. Coveney at the time that this would come back to, to bite him in the butt. He has, at the time, there was, look, there was a chap over in Kinmichael, Casper Daddy, he had, I think, just four species of rare birds, and he was written to by a couple of different groups not to upset the land too much and to do his farming in the old type way. He was told by a department official at that time, either reclaim it or burn it, or you were taking the money off you. So, I mean, what would happen was a disgrace. Uh, we took the legal challenge at the time because we saw what was being done, and it was barely mainly being done to people in disadvantaged area. How many farmers do you reckon have, were, have been affected, were affected by it? Uh, all up along the western seaboard, something like 25,000 farmers. Oh, as many as that, okay. Yeah, because you see, it was actually a mathematical exercise. They decided that they'd uh, try and level the, the, the payments and bring down the big fellas and bring up the small fellas and all this kind of talk. They had a great big word called uh, approximation. And when they were doing something, they realised there's too many small fellas out there, they'll cost us too much money. So if you were a hundred, hundred acres and you might come up a bit, so what they done was they took half your land off you, didn't they refund you your money the following year and the lesser amount of acres, so I know you were, you were gone, gone up, so they didn't put you up anymore. It was actually done by the mathematical exercise. But really and truly, we had to take that case at the time in respect of farmers. Personally, my own, it didn't actually affect me a whole pile, but 
but you knew of others that it did. So you start because I remember interviewing um, you at the time yeah. and and others. I mean, I remember uh, Margaret Peters being in regular contact with Margaret Peters, who was who's secretary of the group. Um, you set out to fundraise. If my memory serves me, you were hoping to raise a hundred thousand. Did you? Very, very close did you? Margaret, did uh, you? you know, um, what did you watch? How much did you did you get in the end? We got around ninety. I haven't the money figure in my head. Okay. Around, roughly around the, 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 the ninety, and what what was spent is I think there was two and a half thousand spent sending a couple of young barristers to to to, to, to Brussels for uh, research, and there was some bit of money spent for um, research here. And what what has two, happened? Two, two, three, three thousand. Every other penny and every contribution was recorded. Okay. And all the money was put into a bank. Margaret Peters, a lady down in, a hickey lady down in West Cockcock, Theresa Hickey, and my own group of women are the three ladies who have to, of course, sign to touch that, that money. Okay, that so money is there, that money is in, intact. It's sitting on deposit somewhere in a bank. Yes, the okay. case was taken pro bono. Okay. The reason we gathered the money was not for legal fees. We gathered the money that if in the event of something going wrong, that the group of farmers that was being picked out as a sample case would not be cut for cost. There were the money to, to come behind them. Okay. That's the reason we gathered the money. And there was delays. There was a group of farmers picked out in the village did that, Patricia, and out of the blue, the department seemed to get an inspiration and most of them got paid, paid, paid off. We go back to the drawing board and we started again and we, we put a very good group, he picked out a very good group of f- files Two of the farmers were very vocal to be involved, and when the case was already to go, they pulled their files. Now, there's a lot of speculation. They got afraid. They were asked to do it. I don't know. But it, we had the solicitor to go back to the drawing board again, but it's it's done. The case is lodged. Statement of claims are done. All the all the, is done. Margaret Peters spent nights with me going through rules and regulations and underlining stuff. Um, Corrine McGuire spent weeks and weeks around the country and the balances of having half a lot of work done. I saw the paperwork that, a while ago, and it frightened me to take a small little, little truck to move and are the, are they, the papers involved. Are they still doing that work pro bono, or are you paying them? No, we're not. It's pro bono. It's pro bono. Okay. All right. And, by the way, pro bono for people means that they, they, they're not charging. Um, so, if, if they continue to do pro bono and the case is won and all of that... What will you do with the money that's... We'll refund the money. If the money's not needed, the money, everyone that yeah, money will be asked, do you want your money back? And if they don't want it back, a lot of people will be told, we don't want it back, give it to some organisation or charity. Give it to charity or something. Right. And you, you and have... Everyone will be contacted. You, yeah, and you have a record of everybody who everyone, donated to you. Okay. all about board that's all as, yeah, but, but like, there was a lot of other organisations were very sore over we doing this and there was a lot of rumours out there that John Richelieu was gone to the Bahamas but <laughs> Don't worry about it. I can't talk Listen, I've spoken with you many times and I never once spoke to you live from the Bahamas, so I can ver- <laughs> verify for that. You're, you're always around and whenever we want you to come on, you're always there, uh, Dermot. So how soon do you expect? I tell you no, and I want to be rude with you, but how long is the feast of strike? We're told right. it could be November and it could go until April or May. We don't know. Do you remember there was a case there, a guy in Tipperary, his case was won and he could appeal to the Papen. Uh, that case took six, six, six years to get to court get to court and we're, we're ready to go with, with fine so far so we have another I don't know yeah, the wheels know. the wheels of justice roll very slowly but the, the farmers pulled the, pulled the pin in us 
I know, I know. Well, they, so yeah, I they could. They have their own. They have their own reason uh, for doing it. All right, I mean, Dermot, listen. But like, it's the thing is, everything is in, everything is, is going on. Okay, it it isn't gone away. Is it's the message you're trying you're trying to get across? A lot of people have come to me, and a lot of people have contacted me, and they've thanked us for what we have done because a lot of farmers realised that once we started taking this action, we collected started collecting money. The department were much easier to deal with. They, it, it actually, they backed off a lot. When they knew that you could take them to court. Because it, it, it's not, it, they actually got really easy, but it's very ironic that at the, the moment they're looking for biodiversity, no one had it yet. And if we didn't take that case, most of the habitat, no one would be, be burned. I've turned yeah. upside down. Yeah. It's a changed I mean, landscape it, just it, even it, in those few years. I, you could see that. I believe everyone knew what the time was going to happen. And I tried to explain to Mr. Corbney and to some of his officials that what they were doing, they were destroying habitat that was there with hundreds and hundreds of years. For the running sucking cocos in in ground, that's not that they being ploughed, it's not that being turned upside down, and it's it's the old traditional way of farming. But no, no, turn it upside down. If it didn't green right grass, you we're taking the, the money off you. It was actually ridiculous from day one. Okay, Kevin in Middleton has a suggestion. Do you really need to go to the High Court? Could you go with petitions and other methods? Could you go straight to Europe on it? You've taken the legal advice on that. All right, listen, Dermot, we appreciate that. We will talk again. I'm very uh, no sorry. Doubt. Decision, but that is out of our hands. We, we don't even know. I know. We, we, we did our part. It's now in the legal hands. There's not more I can do. Well, well done. Well done for keeping at it. And thank you for, for joining us with the clarification. Good morning to you. Thanks morning, for that. Bye bye. Uh, Dermot Kelleher, ICSA. Just to clarify that for uh, people who were wondering, it hasn't. They haven't gone away. The money is safe in the bank. And if it would be fantastic if it goes through pro bono and the lawyers and barristers don't end up uh, charging, then if you are one of the people who did donate because the original West Cork farmer was wondering about a refund, you will get a refund when the case is over, but it is still pending. It is an issue that has not gone away. 1850 John Paul, taking your calls, text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. This summer, thousands of people will love this feeling. You can experience it too. invites you to run the Irish Examiner Cork City Marathon Sunday, June 2nd Whatever your fitness, whatever your goal whatever your reason, we want you to hit the streets Hit the streets Team or go solo in the half or full marathon. Register now at CorkCityMarathon.ie CorkCityMarathon.ie The Irish Examiner Cork City Marathon Sunday, June 2nd With C103 And Michael by WhatsApp uh, says that uh, he feels what Dermot's information is wrong that they could go to Europe without going to the High Court well it seems their legal advice is telling them that this is the route that they have to go anyway just to let I think for more people just let people know it hasn't gone away it's still there and they're still they're still fighting it and trying to fight on behalf of farmers in disadvantaged uh, areas Uh, also coming in on 
a Douglas listener says, could you have Dermot Kelleher on your show every day? I love the sound of his voice and the lilt. He's a very rural West Cork accent, doesn't he? He really does. It's uh, There's a lovely lilt uh, to it almost. That's a Douglas listener enjoying listening. No matter what he's talking about, but enjoys listening to Dermot Kelleher. Thank you for that. I'm sure if Dermot's listening, he'll be thrilled uh, to hear that. Just on elections, a listener says, listen to this. This is Eddie. Hi, Eddie in uh, Maham says not once in 20 years has a canvasser called to my house I don't know why goodness me I've been inundated with what people calling and if they don't call every day I go home and you know you push open you open unlock the door and push open the door and all the literature that's inside in the door I've been gathering it all up I know we've heard from people who say literally it's taken up from the hall floor and it's put straight into the recycling bin. We are encouraging people to please try and read the literature. Please recycle it. Absolutely recycle it. We want to do our bit for the environment. So do recycle it, but read it. Try Just try read, see what the various candidates are standing for. But also, just in case you're in one of those areas where there has been changes to the electoral area, I don't want people next Friday going in and they don't know who they're voting for because there's all different names. The names that they normally go with are not there and there's going to be a lot of uh, confusion. So... Uh, um, take time to read the literature but uh, I don't know Ed, Eddie I don't have the answer for you as to why in 20 years you've never had a canvasser called to your door and Mary says when you're talking about elections please I wonder would you mention to one of the candidates please could you ask them to have a good look at their posters around Rathduff there's about seven or eight in a row of the one candidate and they are an eyesore and one is actually obstructing the 100 kilometre sign now Mary has given me the name of it's a European election but I'm not calling out the person's name because if I do in the interest of balance because I'm talking about her post, the, the posters I'll have to call out all of the other candidates so just basically please to anyone who is canvassing on behalf of either local election candidates or European candidates, will you be careful where you've put up posters and just go out and take a look once again and make sure that they're not a distraction and that they're not blocking anything. I think it's when it's blocking somebody's view that they really become uh, an issue. Now, Cape Clear off West Cork is set to turn their lights off the on the weekend of May 24th. It's part of a bid to become of one of the world's few officially recognised dark sky sites. To find out more, I'm joined from Cape Clear by uh, Simon Cocking. Good morning to you, Simon. Hi, good morning. Uh, you, uh, you're welcome nice to the programme. Can you explain what the Dark Sky Initiative is all about? Yeah, look, I mean, um, I guess uh, the, the negative aspect would be called light pollution. And this is when there's a lot of too much light is coming off from street lights. And the funny thing with uh, old street lights is, is the light goes up rather than down. So the thing is, is that we're not saying that you need to turn the street lights off, but street lights ideally should be where we're walking, not going up into the sky. And when they go up into the sky, it loses the ability for us to see the cool things that are up in the sky. So dark skies is uh, an attempt to showcase the value of why it's good to have less light pollution and then so we can see the amazing things that are up there. And why is Cape Clear so ideally suitable as such a site? Yeah, well, look, I mean, I guess you could say you do the geography. I mean, uh, from where we are, if we look south, uh, 
basically there's no land between us and either Spain, South America or Africa heading in the various directions. So, you know, apart from Fastnet, which is obviously over to one side, the sky at night when the, when the moon isn't a full moon, you can see the Milky Way very easily. And then from there, you can see a lot of interesting things. So uh, we're in the fortunate position where we don't have a lot of light pollution as it is. So what, what exactly will you have to switch off next weekend? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so mostly in North Harbour, you have the Department of the Marine Lights. And there are these kind of legacy, big, powerful lights that blast light out. But obviously, you know, there's nobody 40 foot in the air that needs that light. So the idea is, I think, as I understand it, it's going to be dimmed. And in general, uh, we've seen other light systems in Scandinavia where you still light the area so that no one falls into the marina, okay. but you light it in an efficient way. So our lights will be dimmed, and in general it will be looking at how can we have this like this in the future too. And when you talk about you know light pollution, and in particular about our streetlights, are there efforts being made to change the streetlights? Definitely, yeah. And so this is the thing, like, like um, we're, we're, we're not saying something that people aren't aware of and you know i've seen interesting presentations even by town planners talking about because some of the light pollution is also inefficient use of light and it's i guess the first ever light bulbs you know before you had no light we just lived with candles so light bulbs are a good thing but then light you know as it used to be if you touched the light bulb before it would burn you because it's giving out heat as well as light so obviously we were getting two things when we only needed one and since the European directive about, you know, only using low energy light bulbs, you know, that's, that's just a normal thing in Ireland now. So it shows that uh, we're using a technology that was just the best at the time, but isn't necessarily, we can do better now, you know. And we need to have those out in our streetlights as well. Yeah. And, and so I've, I've, I've seen specs for it and it's more just about rollout and implementation yeah. and cost. But the good thing is, is that, you know, uh, it would save money as well. So there'd be a good payback on it. It's a bit like solar panels. If you have more efficient lighting, you still get the light that you need, but you're not heating the air, you know, and that's why maybe you see the moths and things around it. But unintentionally, we're we're making hot light bulbs when we don't need them anymore. Are there other sites around the country officially recognised as dark sky sites? Yes. So I know that on the drive, when you drive back from Killarney National Park, you enter a dark skies area. So that's the one that I'm aware of. And again, I can imagine that it would be fantastic there as well because, you know, there's no cities, there's no streetlights. So there's definitely one in Kerry. And I imagine by doing this, other people might, you know, phone in or message you and tell you either where there are other ones or where they're planning to do other ones. And what are the events? You've got events planned yeah. for next weekend. It's more so, than just turning down the lights. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be a bit boring, really, wouldn't it? <laughs> um, we've done really well in that... There's a fantastic photographer called Peter Cox who actually helped with the RTE documentary about the lighthouses. So he's over on the island with a new drone. So he's talking about how to do photography at night to capture some of these things because some of the pictures are spectacular where you have a like a slow capture camera and over the night it captures the movement of things across the sky. So we have a photography talk and then we have Niall Smith uh, from CIT and the Black Rock Observatory and they've got this like pop-up dome which shows you what's in the sky and what to look for. So it's going to help people to map between what you should be looking for and what's up there. Because, I mean, like I know where the plough is and I know a few basic ones, but, you know, I don't know where many of them are. So they're going to be explaining to people. And then the great thing is, is because it isn't dark till 10, some of the walk will be from 10 till 1. And so we have a couple of sponsors of Moy Coffee and Wicklow Wolf Craft Beer. So we will, we will have beer and coffee for people in hot, in, you know, in hot, hot or cold as they want yeah. to come out on the walk. 
So it's been really good in the obviously a first time event. It's tough to do a first event, but we've already attracted Cork County Council and Uderus to get on board. So I think people see the value in doing things like this, you know, as something different, but fun, but also in a lovely place. Did I read somewhere as well that the space stations flying over will be over Cape Clear that weekend and people will really be able to see it? Yes, you will. And I mean, the thing is, is if you're aware of dark skies, uh, it's, it's going around, it's going around the earth all the time, yeah. you know, but it's knowing where to look for it. I mean, so I've seen it a few times and once you can see where to expect it, you will see it. So yes, it is visible and unless it's pouring with rain, then you will, you will be able to see it. But on any night, once you've worked out where to look for it, it is up there. How long are you living on Cape Clear? Uh, four years. Four years. And talk to me about that decision to move to Cape Clear because I can, I can tell by your accent, you're not a local. No, no, I'm from London, although I, we came here from Dublin. Um, we, um, well, look, I mean, the kids are in the school and the kids all speak Irish and it's quite interesting because I don't really speak much Irish. So it shows that even if you're not familiar with the fact that it's a Gaeltacht area, you know, you can learn it pretty quickly. Um, why did we come here? Uh, my wife wanted to be closer to the sea and living in Dublin, I guess, unless you have a couple of million to spend, that's not really an option. Whereas if you come and live on an island, you've got the sea all around you. So what, so you looked around at various islands and decided Cape Clear is the one for us? Well, I guess the fortunate thing about Cape Clear is that they have a co-op and the co-op has like a soft landing pr- uh, offer in that there we, there's a house that, that, that you can live in and we're about the seventh family who came to kind of suck it and see. And so the previous six families lived there for between four months and four years. And the same happened for us. We lived here and in the house for about 10 months and decided then whether whether it was somewhere we wanted to continue to live. So, I mean, that's the challenge, I guess, is is there somewhere, even if you wanted to live, to be able to? And, you know, that's the one thing that if you could have more houses on the islands that were free and available, then I think now that with, you know, the remote working and being digital nomads, more people could come out and work on the islands. Yeah, Ben, it's a beautiful, beautiful spot. Uh, listen, enjoy the dark sky uh, weekend, uh, Simon, and a real pleasure to talk to you. Thank you for that. Lovely. Thanks. Thank bye bye. Yeah. Good morning bye to bye. you. Simon Cocking there joining us from that beautiful Cape Clear. And that's happening not this weekend, the following weekend. And tickets are available if you'd like to go along to the uh, event, the dark sky site event on Cape Clear. 1850 103. Rod Stewart is ready to rock Cork on May 25th. And C103 is celebrating with a massive cash giveaway. Win €3,000 with the Rod Stewart 3K Triple Play. Stay listening for these three songs. Song 1. Song 2. Song 3. When we play them uninterrupted and in that order, be caller 103 to win €3,000. Remember our number, 1850-333-103. The Rod Stewart 3K Triple Play. Only on C103. The latest jobs on C103. Official media partner of the Irish Examiner Cork City Marathon, Sunday, June 2nd. Get working now to run the full, half or relay. More details at c103.ie. Various caretakers and admin positions are available in the White Church and Inascara area, while experienced welder is wanted for a workshop in Mallow. 
tyre fitter, also wonderful work in Mallow Town and the Haystack Restaurant, the farm in Grenat. They're looking for a cook, uh, a chef and a cook for daytime hours. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Now, just some breaking news uh, coming in. The British cross-party Brexit talks have collapsed. This is after the Labour leader Jeremy Corbyn told the Prime Minister Theresa May that they'd gone as far as they can. Uh, Jeremy Corbyn pulled the plug on the negotiations telling Theresa May we have been unable to bridge the important policy gaps between us. Mr Corbyn also said that the prospect of a change in Tory leadership, we know Theresa May has been talking about this for some time, meant the government was becoming even more unstable and its authority was being eroded. Labour, he said, could not be confident in any cross party agreement being delivered. Theresa May was set on the timetable for her departure in early June but that, that's after the uh, Commons vote on the withdrawal bill uh, agreement. So that's the cross party talks between Labour and the Tories gone where that leaves us once again up in the air. When are we ever going to get to the end and see the end of Brexit and how will it all end? Nobody knows that's for sure. Okay some of your WhatsApps uh, coming into us. Uh, firstly, hi Patricia, well done to Cape Clear on another great initiative with the Dark Skies projects. I've tried to get this status for other areas of West Cork also. We are blessed with beautifully starry night skies but there's very strict criteria involved so Cape Clear really is on a very select list of worlds places worldwide such as the Grand Canyon and the African Plains that are certified as a dark sky destination. Other areas in Ireland, there is a few in Ireland such as Mayo and near Glenbay in Kerry. They've benefited hugely from this dark sky status with tourists interested in astronomy coming from all over the world to spend time there. Well done to all involved um, all involved in a beautiful and on beautiful Cape Clear and that's um, from uh, Councillor Paul uh, Hayes and uh, yeah a lot of work has gone into this as well and I think the the weekend not, not this weekend it's the following weekend I think it's going to be a terrific weekend if you're free to go to Cape Clear for this night sky uh, dark sky initiative I think it's going to be a great great fun weekend as well okay other issues coming in let me go back to the Eurovision for a moment. Fran says in defence of Sarah McTiernan last night and her breathless singing which a number of people are picking up on that she sounded a bit breathless. I heard a few days ago that she was battling a cold and a chest infection. I didn't hear that. I did hear she was suffering very badly with her wisdom teeth. God, my heart went out to her when I heard that and she got that jingy jingy vitis thing I can never pronounce that the thing the gum inflammation of the gum which obviously was affecting the way she was singing as well but I thought that that cleared up I didn't realise she was battling a chest infection and a cold as well it certainly would explain the breathlessness and Anthony says Patricia I'm listening to your programme this morning and I have to say that I'm disgusted with the comments about that young girl who stood in front of millions of people last night on our behalf and did her absolute best with what she was given remember she she did not choose the song. She did not write the song. She did not arrange the stage production. Give the girl a break. If RTE were serious about winning the song contest, they would go back to the old way of doing things. What was the old way of doing things? 
the National Song Contest and let us decide the song and who we want to represent us in the Eurovision Song Contest. It's simple. Uh, Anthony feels that they, the powers that be, RTE, don't want us to win because it was cost too much. Now, RTE, every time that's put to it, deny it and say no, that even though it's a cost to them, the government would row in and help because there's a huge benefit to staging an event like this in your country. The knock-on is, from a tourism point of view, it's actually hard to put a price uh, on it. So RT would always deny that. But there is always that sinking, sinking, sneaking feeling that they just don't want us to win. But the good old National Song Contest, I suppose in RT's defence, they'll say, hang on now, Tick, the last time we put it to the people, we sent dust in the turkey. That was a public vote. And it was a public vote almost in protest at the Eurovision, was it not? I think that sort of slightly turned RT off ever going down the route of a public vote but maybe the National Song Contest I know Johnny Bongo's well-known musician in Mallow he's been for many years has been going on on that very line and making that very point that it's the way we select the song is wrong and leaving it to the so-called experts they haven't done very well in previous years that's for sure I think last year was probably the best to become 17th or, or something at least we made it into the final but is the National Song Contest the old fashioned way of doing it is that the way to go uh, I wonder OK 1850 there was a couple of texts in reacting to Dermot Kelleher who joined us from the disadvantaged farmers and their legal uh, challenge let me see where some of those uh, comments are gone it's on canvassing. Mary says, well done to Dermot and his hard workers. Dermot is talking a lot of sense on your programme this morning. Those other farmers who are ringing in and complaining if they got up and did something rather than sitting back. We're too quiet in this country. People need to realise that things take time. Those who are on about telling him to do petitions instead, they need to realise that. And he's taking the legal advice and his group has taken the legal advice and they can't speed up the judicial process. And Mary in Raleigh near McCroom says Dermot has always spoken up for us the disadvantaged farmers throughout all of the years no matter what. He is a great guy. 1850 Adrian in Black Rock wonders does anybody feel sorry for the European the candidates running in the European election in Ireland South. Firstly, he says the area is so big they can't possibly start knocking on people's doors uh, to meet people. There are too many running as well. Adrian feels very confused about it all. He says, I only know a handful of them. Well, I now I don't. I'd have to go back through the bundles that I'm keeping of all the literature that's coming through my door. I'd have to go back and see, have I got a piece of literature from every single one of the candidates? I don't think I have. I mean, straight away, I'm thinking all the main parties have sent on literature for the European elections. I certainly have Fianna Fáil, Fianna Gael, I've Sinn Féin's, I have Labour. I don't know if I've got any from any of the independents. I think I have the Greens as well. I'll have to go back through it. The Yeah, I mean, I don't think anyone has the hope of knowing every single one of the candidates. But yeah, I mean, the European elections are never fought on the doorstep. They go out on the on the campaign trail. They'll go into, if you're around supermarkets this weekend, big areas, you know, big shopping centres, I guarantee you, anywhere where there's a lot of people, there is a chance that you'll bump into one of the candidates. They do that kind of campaigning. Others are taking it online. I've seen that seems to be getting quite popular this year as well and trying to do as much campaigning as they can you know, through social media to see if that's going to get their message uh, across. Anya in Bandon, this is on canvassing, says not everyone can 
can be nice to all of the candidates calling to the door. Some parties have left certain areas down and some people continue to struggle as many towns uh, are struggling because of wrong decisions made by the local authorities, which... Anne in Bandon feels the councillors could have prevented those wrong decisions to be made. So I'd never be angry. I'd never be rude turning up my door. Uh, but I ask them tough questions and I challenge them on decisions. And that's what people need to do when you go to the, when they come to your door, you need to challenge them on some of the decisions that have been uh, made. 1850-333-103 on text. Dennis says, hey Patricia, is there any update on the Cork's bin police? The inspectors are going to call to people's doors to find out if they don't have curbside collection asking you how you dispose of your rubbish. I'm All I'm hearing about is Ellis Yard in the city and I feel like a right spare here with all of my receipts carefully collect it and I'm segregating my recyclables and I'm doing everything I can waiting for the bin police to close to knock on my door it's frustrating while I'm watching others tossing their stuff into the hedge kind regards says uh, Dennis well the legislation the bylaws are in place for the bin police which we're making up that name for them by the way to call to your door has anybody had a call from the bin police I don't think so. Uh, Certainly I haven't heard of anyone being prosecuted yet. I imagine this is going to take time. I mean, if it's the same inspectors who are out trying to clean up areas like Ellis Yard or the same inspectors who are out trying to clean up rubbish on the highways and the byways, they have a lot of work on their hands. I think if they really want to clamp down on people who they suspect are illegally dumping, the households that they suspect don't have a bin and don't care how they dispose of their rubbish, they probably already know the areas, know the houses, then I think if they're really serious about it, they're going to have to employ inspectors and bin police. They're literally going to have to get a team of people together and go out and start knocking on doors. But you're doing everything right, Dennis. You have nothing to to fear. I know we were told with the receipts, you need to keep the receipts for a year. So, you know, once you, I don't know how long you're collecting your receipts, but once you get to the end of one calendar year, you keep them for a year and then you roll on and start collecting for the next uh, year. But if you're doing everything right, you really have nothing at all to fear. And I would love rather than calling to people like your good self who's doing everything right I would prefer the bin police to be out catching the people that are actually illegally dumping 1850-333-103 Musher platform first dance of the season is on Sunday next three to half five in the afternoon been asked to give that a mention music is by Tim, Joe and Anne no cover charge and all are welcome. And I know there was another text in about the Bialtina, the annual Bialtina Variety Concert. That's on tonight, Castle Magna Community Centre at 8. The concert will showcase talent from all over the Duvalo area. It includes music, there's some solo singing, there's choral recitals, there's recitations, dance and much more. And it's a fantastic night of entertainment. It's guaranteed not to be missed, says Kathleen by WhatsApp. Special guests will also so attend on the night admission 10 euro light professions to be surgeon all are welcome that's tonight Castle Magna Community Centre at 8 The GAA Sports Star of the Month Awards on C103 with the Rochestown Park Hotel 
It's my third year on the panel this year and we are after losing now two years in a row and especially last year in the final. That was probably the main reason that we were so motivated this year. We had good young lads coming in fairness we were lucky enough in the day then as well. The latest award winner is Dara Moran of Middleton CBS for their Dr Harty Cup success. The C103 GAA Sports Star of the Month Awards recognising outstanding achievement in the field of Cork GAA. This one is for you. C103. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. And by the way, the phone lines have been extremely busy this morning and apologies. I know it frustrates people if they're on hold for too long and John Paul um, doesn't get to them. Uh, so please bear with us. Keep trying and you can always text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 or email Patricia at c103.ie. Now this morning we continue to preview the upcoming local elections and today we focus on West Cork, which this time round has been divided into two electoral areas. To give us his views on the runners and riders, I'm joined by Southern Star editor uh, Con Downing. Good morning to you, Con. Good morning, Patricia. And, you're, and you are welcome. I suppose start Thank by you. explaining the way the electoral area has been divided. Yeah, well, it, it's gone back more or less to the way it was before. Uh, for the last elections in 2014, they uh, joined up the Bantry and the um, Skibreen electoral areas into one and they called it West Cork. And then they had uh, they, they reduced the number of seats uh, between the two areas then from 12 to 8. This time now they've split them and the number of seats between the two of them has gone up from 8 to 9. Uh, there are four seats in the Bantry area and there are five seats in the Scabreen electoral area. And uh, I suppose just as regards profiling, the places in the, um, that are involved in these areas, uh, the Bantry area is basically uh, the two, uh, two, three peninsulas, I suppose. You've got the Mizzen, the Sheepshead and the Beira Peninsula and uh, Bantry uh, would be the big town along, of course, with Castletown Bear as well. And uh, then uh, in the Skibreen uh, electoral area, uh, you have uh, the main towns are uh, Skibreen, uh, Clannacilty and Dunmanway and all in between. Will the division favour the larger parties over, say, some of the independent candidates of the smaller parties, particularly if the bigger, larger parties manage to do good vote transfers, vote well, management? I suppose that depends on turnout as well, you know. If the turnout is low, which I'm suspecting it might be, because a lot of people um, are a bit confused about uh, where, who, where they're voting and who they're voting for, and uh, it may put them off voting. Uh, that would obviously favour the bigger parties because uh, a lot of uh, their supporters will will come out to vote regardless anyway. Um, I think big, the biggest factor is probably geographical in that um, uh, because of the smaller number of seats there are in West Cork overall, um, uh, I think that people will look to make sure that they have a councillor in their They're, own Yeah, and, and I know we, we, we've been discussing this with some of the other journalists. Uh, the, the geography very much comes into it in that people from, say, a town vote for councillors from that town. So the Clonakilty yes. people will vote for, they'll give the higher preferences to all the Clonakilty people, regardless of the parties. That is correct, yes, that yeah. is correct. That seems to be the trend now. Okay, let's look at the Skibbereen West Cork. This is five seats and there is 13 candidates running. How many are sitting councillors? Uh, Of uh, the sitting councillors, there's um, 
Joe Carroll, uh, Fiona Fall, uh, Paul Hayes, uh, who's Sinn Féin, Declan Hurley, who's uh, an independent, and Christopher O'Sullivan of uh, Fianna Fáil as well. So, so uh, four. They're your, yeah, they're your they're, uh, sitting councillors. Okay, yeah. so there, there's definitely going to be one new councillor uh, yeah. in this area. That's you if see, the, uh, as well as that, one of the sitting councillors uh, in the area of old uh, was John O'Sullivan, uh, but because of the boundary revision uh, in the Eurotonic Kilty, uh, he has actually moved to the Bandon um, uh, Kinsale area. Was that the right decision for John, do you think? Um, well, I suppose there, there probably wasn't much choice, really, you know, because uh, he's, most of his support base around uh, Cormac Sherry's Seven Heads Peninsula area would be in the new um, extended Bandon Kinsale area. Yeah, yeah. OK, taking a look at the various candidates. Um, start with um, Paul Hayes. Yeah, Paul Hayes is a very personable um, candidate and he has uh, he seems to be well got, especially around Clannacilty. Ironically, he lives in Court McSherry, which is in the uh, Band and Conceal area now, but he is standing in the uh, Scabrine area. He's a native of Clannacilty. And um, there seems to be um, a good uh, Sinn Féin vote across uh, West Cork that uh, he'll be able to avail of. He will lose a chunk of his votes, though, with the, the Seven Heads Peninsula vote, won't he? He will. Yeah. He will yeah. to a certain extent, yeah. OK, the other sitting councillors then, Joe Carroll. Yeah, Joe Carroll is a Fianna Fáil councillor based in Skibreen and um, he has been involved in a bit of controversy here in town over uh, the proposed plastics factory. Um, but um, he would have uh, the party very much behind him and he also would have um, votes over Dunmanway direction as well because he's a native of Dunmanway originally. And then staying in Dunmanway, Declan Hurley is... John Manway, yeah. uh, councillor. He's another. He's a non-party. He's non-party. Um, he, I'd expect him to retain his seat. Also, um, he seems that you know there there is, as we have seen, a widespread independent vote around, and he probably is in pole position as regards that. Now, the last time in the West Cork area, Michael Collins um, topped the poll and was elected on the first count. Now, Michael is still has gone on to bigger and better things, and uh, he. Uh, um, I think there is um, a solid sort of an independent vote around the place and uh, Declan will pick up a lot of that. He'll face, when, when we've just mentioned about the geography, he'll face opposition and will lose votes, I imagine, to some other Dunmanway-based candidates. Yes. You've got Deirdre Kelly, Fianna Fáil and uh, Yvonne Cahalan for Fianna Gael. That's correct. Uh, Deirdre um, is a second time candidate and uh, I think um, she's parliamentary assistant as well to Margaret Murphy O'Malley. And will that gain votes for her? Uh, it will help, I mean, yeah. and I think she'll probably do better than she did the last time out. Uh, she'll probably take some of Joe Carr's votes around in Manway as well. So um, she will be a strong contender. Yvonne Callan then is standing for Gale and um, she's a first-timer. Uh, it's very difficult to predict how um, um, the first-timers will get on. Um, I suppose um, you, you would 
probably say that the that the more experienced politicians would do better. Yvonne will have pro- pro- profile for because of her son Tristan and the That's fight right. and the battle to to get yeah. the legal, the cannabis legalized uh, form. So she does have a profile. Okay, there's one other councillor that we didn't sitting council that we, who we're starting with, uh, Christopher O'Sullivan. Yes, for Fianna Fáil. Yes, I would imagine that Christopher will do very well. He seems to be he's he's over on Clannacilty. Obviously, he's he's got a bit of opposition over there but he's been very high profile in a number of organisations over in uh, Clannacilty and um, I reckon that he'll do very well I wouldn't be surprised if he topped the poll For Christopher yeah. Okay now the other Fine Gael candidates that are running that we haven't mentioned Yeah there, uh, JJ Walsh. That's right. JJ is well known um, from his time working in um, the Carberry Group. Uh, he'd be very well known in the agricultural community. He's also been a very strong backroom man in the Fine Gael organisation in West Cork. So, uh, again, he's a first time candidate and uh, remains to be seen how he'll get on. But I would imagine uh, he will pick up a good, solid Fine Gael vote. And there's also Karen Coakley. She's from Skibbereen. That's right. Karen uh, is from Skibbereen and she will be uh, vying for the Skibbereen votes uh, very much with uh, Joe Carroll. So uh, it, it's, um, I suppose, uh, Fine Gael versus Fianna Fáil, the old foes. Mm. Isn't it interesting for Fine Gael, while they have, between the two constituencies, um, I think they've have they five or six running. They've no outgoing councillor because of the with John O'Sullivan moving to Bandon. That's correct. That's correct. Well, in the Bantry area, uh, Mary um, Hegarty. Hegarty has uh, retired from the fray, and uh, I suppose Noel Harrington would have been a councillor before um, he went to the Dáil, but last he sees it last. Yeah, but there's no, there's no sitting. There's there no, no there's, sitting, there's, there's no sitting. sitting. Okay, uh, just back to Skibbereen then. Um, the some of the smaller parties, A and Two. This is their first time out. That's right. Um, with A and Two, you've got uh, Sean Creedon uh, from Clannacilty uh, running for the party. Uh, this is the party that was formed by uh, Padre Tobin when he left uh, Sinn Féin and um, very difficult to um, to know how well these will do um, I would imagine um, they, they won't upset the apple cart hugely And then the Social Democrats they are entering politics for the first time in West Cork with um, Evie Nevin Now Evie, uh, we've spoken with her on the programme before, she's pretty high profile I mean the the disabled people together for the Yes Repeal the Eighth she ran that campaign. Yeah Yeah, she got a very high profile uh, through that as well too and she's a very um, capable person and um, uh, I think uh, she'll she'll get a lot of votes um, there whether it'll be enough to get her elected I don't know. And then to Solidarity People Before Profit Vanessa O'Sullivan. That's right Vanessa is based on uh, Cape Clear and she's a very articulated articulate young lady and uh, no the only thing is that she hasn't been doing a lot of canvassing so maybe her profile isn't as high as it, as, as it could be. And then there's, is there a couple of non-parties? There's one non-party. That's right. Uh, you have Brendan Brind- McCormack, um, who is um, based in Ross Carberry, and um, he has been um, catapulted into politics, I suppose, through his involvement in the Save Our Skibreen um, campaign. Against the plastic, uh, against factors, the plastic yeah. factory in Skibreen. And, uh, but like he, he's standing for the 
on wider environmental issues as well, like not just the plastic factory, you know. So, but that's um, a high-profile campaign. It is quite a high-profile campaign. Yeah, yeah. it is in yeah. Skibbereen. But um, you know, a lot of Skibbereen um, is is uh, out, uh, outside uh, the, the Skibbereen electoral area as well too. You know, because you have. Uh, the division uh, between the Skibreen and the Bantry electoral area is very close to Skibreen uh, town itself, you know. So um, some of the some of the votes there will be split up, you know. Yeah, some people who will want to vote for somebody from Skibreen will go in and discover they're not on the ballot paper at yes, all. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, do you think it's going to cause a bit of confusion next Friday with some people? Yes, I think it will. I think it will because people will be, might be expecting somebody would be on the ballot paper and they're in a different uh, yeah. um, electoral area, you know, because you've you, you've got. Um, uh, cases of people maybe living in one area um, even among the candidates and standing in another area. Yeah, yeah. So. Okay, and then one final non-party uh, this is y- Yusuf. Yusuf Janabali, yeah, yeah. right, yeah. He's, um, he's representing, I suppose, the immigrant community. Um, he is based in Clannacilty and um, uh, I'm not sure um where he's going to get the the, the votes from, you know, but I, I wouldn't uh, rate him as a, as a contender for being elected uh, to the county council. And but of course, a lot of this will it's it's, it's the transfers. It's where the votes will go. That's yeah. going to push various people over the line and get them elected. Okay, yeah. so for the Skibbereen West Cork uh, area, what way? How how do you see the five seats? Where do you see them going? Um, very difficult to say because of uh, the, the. It depends on who wins out. I suppose ge- geographically, I would imagine that uh, of the uh, sitting candidates, I would imagine that uh, Christopher O'Sullivan, um, Declan Hurley, and um, Paul Hayes uh, should go well. Um, that would be three of the five seats. Um, Last two. I, uh, the last two, uh, it could be a bit of a lottery. I think Joe Carroll probably w- will be uh, in in the shake-up with uh, possibly Karen Coakley and um, you know um, Deirdre Kelly. I think as well is going to is is, is will be a strong contender too. But um, again, <laughs> this speculation is a bit of I a false game. Know. You know, I mean. Uh, that that that's just what I think of it. Uh, most a lot of people might think otherwise, you know. But so yeah, it's, it's really down to the down to the voters. Yeah, yeah, it will be, and it, and a lot will will depend on turnout as well as turnout as, and as, transfers, as you as yeah, you mentioned. Yeah. Okay, I need to take a quick break, and then we're going to come back and look at the Bantry West Cork electoral area. Back after these. Every morning on Cork's More Music Breakfast, I'm giving you the chance to win big on Celebrity Seas. Play at 20 past 7, 20 past 8 and 20 past 9. Guess the celebs, win the cash. Congratulations, 2,020 euro is whisking its way to you, sir. Thanks, You just won Celebrity Seas! Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. 
Shopify.com slash work. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. I don't believe it! So far, I've given away over four grand. Be my next big winner. Celebrity Seas with Simon Murdoch on C103. This is the Court Today replay on C103. We are shining a spotlight on the West Cork local electoral areas uh, this morning. In time now to turn our attention to uh, Bantry. Uh, casting his eye over proceedings is uh, Southern Star editor uh, Con Downing. Now, we have four seats in the Bantry West Cork electoral area with 10 candidates. And how many are sitting uh, councillors? Yeah, there are only two sitting councillors in this area, Patricia. You have um, Patrick Gerard Murphy, who is a very high profile at the moment as the mayor of Cork County, and you have uh, the independent um, uh, Danny Collins uh, as well. Now, Danny Collins, this is actually his first election. His brother, Michael, as we mentioned, topped the poll in 2014. That's great. Can you see Danny do the same? I think so. Uh, he could, he'll, he'll do well, all right, uh, whether he'll top the poll or not, I don't know, but uh, he should he should do well he seems to be very popular and uh, well got around the Bantry area and he's been very much involved along with Michael in organising the, the cataract buses to go up to Belfast so that, that, that is correct and and I been... mean, he has Michael's ear as regards uh, getting uh, local issues heard at a um, higher level as well too in the Oireachtas and then Patrick Gerard Murphy, the he is the current mayor. He will be the outgoing uh, mayor. Yep. That's that's very much going to stand with him. He's had a very high profile year. Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, usually, people who hold the office of mayor uh, would um, gain from the high profile. Um, it happened as far back um, as '09 with uh, Jim Daly, who had yeah. been the county mayor before that. Um, it's also benefited in the Scabrine electoral area, Declan Hurley, because it's only just recently that he was also the, the county mayor. Yeah. OK, it's a return to politics for XTD and former councillor Noel Harrington. Yes, um, I think Noel will be a strong candidate as well. Um, you know, he has great experience um, as both county councillor and he has served one term then as a TD. Unfortunately for him, he lost his seat in uh, 2016. Um, but um, he'll be he'll be a strong contender, and um, he has uh, two other candidates as well uh, with him. And uh, you have uh, Katie Murphy, whose uh, family has a very strong political pedigree. Her father 
uh, Michael Pat Murphy was a uh, county councillor and her grandfather, also called Michael Pat Murphy, was um, a TD and also he was a parliamentary secretary uh, uh, for agriculture uh, back in the early 70s. That's like junior, is that minister, junior it, it, minister? It, it, yeah, it predated the junior minister. Right, yeah. And uh, I know um, Michael so she, Pat was so, Labour, but she's... Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Different parties. So she, but she has political heritage. She also has youth. Did I read someone? She's only yes. 20. That's right. Uh, well, we have a lot of young candid- candidates uh, in their 20s in uh, in this area. It's fantastic and, uh, to see, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely fantastic, yeah. yeah. Do you think she'll do well? I don't know. It's very difficult to, to say, you know, for... Um, but I, I would imagine um, she will do pretty well, all right. Um, uh, whether she'll be elected or not, I don't know, but... Um, uh, <laughs> Down to the voters. Yeah, and it's but it's her dipping her foot in the water. It's the, yes. it could be the start of a political well, it's, it's career for her. Step on, um, yeah. uh, on a political ladder. The and then the other no, the, the, the county councils are the first step on the and the ladder. The other Fine Gael candidate then is from Kilkill, uh, John Deneen. John Deneen, yeah, John is a very uh, popular guy. He's involved in the agri business and uh, he's involved in a lot of uh, community um, organisations as well. And uh, he he would be. Uh, well-known around uh, the Bantry, Kerkel area, so uh, we'd, he'd probably poll well enough too. Um, so um, it's all to play for whether whether uh, Fine Gael can get two seats or not. It's uh, difficult to say. And Fianna Fáil have put two on the ticket. That's right. Uh, uh, the other person with Patrick Gerard Murphy is George Gill, who's a relative newcomer uh, to to the um, political field. He's in. Um, he's from Cora originally, and uh, again, uh, a very articulate young man. And uh, he seems um, to uh, you know if he can get the, the youth vote out, um, he'll he'll probably do well as well. And there's only one independent non-party, and that's in the form of, of Finbar Harrington. Now, well, Finbar would apart be apart from Danny Collins. That is, oh, of course, yeah. of course. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm looking at at not not elected councillors. Um, um, Finbar would be well known. I mean, he's a great community activist. Yeah, he's been involved in a lot of things in the community. No, um, the the last time out, all right, uh, he polled uh, about 1,200 votes, um, and uh, he'd be hoping to improve on that the next time. At this time. And then Ian too has Lorraine Dean Ross. That's right. Uh, Lorraine is is uh, from Dunmanway and uh, uh, she's a, a newcomer to the scene again, dipping her toe in the political uh, sphere for the first time, as is her party. So uh, the jury is out on that as regards uh, how well Ian too will do. And then the Social Democrats again, first time running in, right, in West yeah. Cork. Well, this you is have uh, H- Holly McKeever Kearns. That's correct. Um, she is uh, again a very uh, articulate young lady, and um, great to see bright young people joining the political sphere because there's so much cynicism about it. That that uh, it's nice to see that. Both well for the future. Yes. And then for Sinn Féin, uh, Donna O'Shea. That's right. Donica is uh, from Skibreen. He actually doesn't live in the, the Bantry electoral area, but he is uh, uh, an experienced councillor in that he was a member of uh, Skibreen uh, Town Council. And um, I don't know uh, how strong the Sinn Féin vote would be over uh, in the Bantry area. Um, there is... You, there, there, there have had 
councillors on the uh, Bantry Town Council when that existed as well too. So there is a Sinn Féin vote in Bantry itself and possibly scattered around the areas also. We've been mentioning how important transfers are and good vote management on behalf of the parties. Yes. Would uh, putting only one candidate, this this now is for both Sinn Féin and for the Social Democrats, would they not have been better putting both candidates into one area? Like it was, it's almost like telling one you're going to sacrifice one to get the other one over the line. Yeah, I think uh, that's a valid point. All right, um, it, it's um, it, it's uh, you need people to hoover up votes, um, and probably one would be the sacrificial lamb. All right, but. Uh, it, it, it's possibly a better strategy, but um, then you run the risk, as happened to the Labour Party before, um, of splitting the vote yeah. down the middle and not getting any seat, even though they might have had a qu- uh, enough between the two candidates for a quota, you know. OK, four seats in the Bantry, West uh, Cork area. Call it, Con. How do you see these going? <laughs> <laughs> I would I would imagine that the two uh, existing uh, councillors will get in. That would that be um, Danny Collins and Patrick Gerard Murphy, possibly uh, Noel Harrington, uh, because of uh, his previous experience as a councillor and uh, TD. And I think the rest of it then is a lottery. I couldn't call the fourth seat. It's, yeah, there, I mean, there has to be. I mean, I think you're right with Noel Harrington. There has to be a Fianna Gael seat there. But yeah, the rest then it's yeah. Mm. If you were a gambling person, um, you've been in, close your eyes and stick stick a needle in like you That's do with the, with the races. Um, yeah, maybe a wild card there might be Katie Murphy because um, there's a vote uh, there, uh, maybe um, a female vote because Mary Harrington has, or sorry, uh, uh, Mary Hagerty has stepped down as um, as a county councillor in, in Bantry. There, there just may be. Yeah, uh, something there, but uh, you just can't call because there are a lot of very good um, candidates. candidates and young candidates too. So and if the, they and get the vote out, they uh, might uh, upset the apple cart there. And can the issues that that are coming up? I mean, I imagine they're the same across both electoral yeah, areas. They are. They are. Yeah, I think the state of our roads, um, broadband. And housing are, are are big ones, you know. Um, I, I don't think that uh, the West Cork area as a whole feels loved <laughs> <laughs> because of uh, kind of, you know infrastructure is is very basic and very poor around uh, an area. Um, I mean, uh, the only thing that's going really well at the moment is, is tourism through um, the Wild Atlantic Way's popularity, and that is only along coastal areas as well, you know. So I think um, roads and broadband are two very, very big things. And of course, another thing that is uh, coming um, becoming a big issue, and rightly so, is the environment. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we were only talking about light pollution with Cape Clear today. I mean, that's a small thing, but it's you know, it's it's something yeah. we all we all have to have to be thinking of. I mentioned earlier the count and the count for uh, West Cork for the three elected areas is going to be in the Inclinacilty Community Centre. Will it be a long night and a late night? Well, uh, hopefully not. Last. In 2014, we were there from 9 o'clock Saturday morning till 11 o'clock on Sunday morning, 26 hours. Yeah. Now, uh, West Cork was all being counted as one. This time it's split between Bantry and Skibreen electoral areas and there'll be two different crews doing the counting. And that should so speed it up. that'll speed it up and that we won't be, we won't have to bring our sleeping bags. Yeah, but it's the, I keep going back to it, it's the, it's the segregation and the, just, uh, of the papers first because mm. there's three different 
papers going into the boxes all right, to be separated yeah. first. It makes no sense at all to me. No, no, no. no. OK, uh, will you be glad when it's all over, Connor? Do you enjoy it? Do you know there's a bit of a buzz, especially yeah. around the count, I think. Yeah. Um, that, that, that's uh, where, I suppose, you see a lot of drama uh, um, unfolding, happiness and sadness, the whole gamut of emotions um, coming out there, you know. So um, it's um, it's a tough we'll business. To it. It, it is. It's, 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 I, I, like I've written an editorial for this week's paper uh, about having respect for candidates. People put themselves forward, you know, and I think they don't. They don't deserve to be abused or trolled, especially, you know. Yeah. Online. I, I think the fact that they put themselves out there um, before the electors uh, should command a bit of respect. And, you know, I mean, if you have a point to make to a candidate or you want to um, talk to a councillor about what have you done since the last time, well, do so respectfully. You yeah, know, yeah. I think that's and the least they deserve. And, you're, and at the count, to watch somebody lose a seat, mm. regardless of where your political affinities lie, yeah. is heartbreaking. It, is. it really is it heartbreaking. Is. Yeah. Listen, uh, Con, I enjoyed that. Thank you for that. And thanks a for joining us on the programme. Okay. Good morning to you. That is uh, Con Downing, who is editor of The Southern Star. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. By the way, we're going to feature the Fomoy electoral area on Monday. We'll continue across next week. Um, and we'll hopefully by this time next week, we'll have got to all of the electoral areas and, and done a, a preview of them. But it's Fomoy will be the focus of the attention next uh, Monday. The Just staying on elections, somebody says, I would give my vote to the politician who called regularly since the last election to see if I needed anything. Oh gee, that's nobody, says the text. Oh, it's unrealistic expectations, I think, if you're expecting politicians to go around and call to everybody's door. We've heard from people who, earlier Eddie and Mahan said in 20 years he's never had anybody come to even canvas for a vote, let alone call when there isn't an election on checking up to see how everybody is doing. Margaret says, Hi Patricia, you had an inquiry yesterday about the cost of making a will. I missed part of your programme and I'm wondering, did you get a a response? Because we need to make our will. Thanking you, says uh, Margaret. Uh, No, I tell you, we had a listener who wanted to know, was there any like special week where there's, you know, a focus on wills where you can get solicitors to give you discount for making wills or is there any where you could get a will made for free and maybe a donation to charity that kind of thing and we put our thinking caps on and, and we checked and we can't find any such scheme that exists but it has got us thinking that we might do something on will making on the programme because it is so important for people to make a will I think more than anything people know and it sort of it doesn't sit well with people if they don't have a will and it's one of those things you kind of put it on the long finger I must make my will, I must make my will, knowing that you should and have to do it. It is so, so important that you don't die without a will and all the complications it can leave uh, for the for the family that you're leaving behind. And I know that when I was down in West Cork with the Skibbereen Credit Union, they, where they did the Women in Agriculture, I did two nights with them where I, I acted as MC for the Women in Agriculture and their legal guy at Skibbereen Credit Union, great guy, solicitor, he spoke about the importance of making wills and he just, and I heard him speak twice and you sort of walk away thinking, I so have to make my will because it is so important because he went through and explained, besides you know, you're letting down your family and you could end up causing such great rows which nobody would want after we're dead and gone but also the cost that's involved you're actually the family your family that you're leaving behind you know they could end up with coming out with less 
because of the complications of dying without a will. So it is important to uh, make a will. So leave it with us and we'll give you plenty of advance notice of when we'll do it. We might do a sort of an information piece on the making of a will. But I think for a lot of people, it's the cost of making the will is what people are most worried about. Again, on a quick Google search, it seems to be, and I'm open to correction on this, but it seems to be about €150 plus VAT for a kind of a standard basic will. If you have a will that's going to get very complicated, it will obviously cost you more. Now, I don't know if that's kind of a flat rate across the country. So I'd love to hear from anyone who has recently made a will. How much did it cost you to go to your solicitor to make the will? If anyone can just give us a quick call with just a quick ballpark figure of how much it cost, because it's the the queries we are getting in is to do with cost. People know they need to make a will, but they're fearful of how much it's costing. And for others, they haven't got a clue how much it costs. As they say, just on a Google search, it seems to be about 150. But that's not to say that that's what you're going to get charged when you go to your solicitor. So if anybody has recently made a will at their solicitor's, how much did it cost you, please? 1850 Don't need to know where you're calling from. I don't need to know the name of your solicitor. I'm just looking for the ballpark figure. Roughly, how much does it cost to make a will? On Eurovision, Tommy in Clonakilty says, I would safely say, Patricia, that even if we sent you two to represent us at the Eurovision Song Contest, I don't think we'd win due to the fact that we sent a turkey to represent us all those years ago. That's Tommy and Clonakilty who feels Dustin the turkey were still on payback for sending Dustin the turkey. And we had Dermot Kelleher on earlier on. He was talking to us from the Disadvantaged uh, Farmers Legal Group. But of course, Dermot Kelleher is also with the ICSA. Dan from McCroom says, Patricia, when Patrick Kent is gone from the top table of the ICSA, would Dermot Kelleher ever put his name into the ring for president of the ICSA? I don't know. I don't know if Dermot has ever considered that. And of course, Patrick Kent has stepped down as president of the ICSA. Didn't he do that in April? He did. On the 24th of April, he announced his intention to step down from his position as leader of the ICSA with immediate effect. And of course, the main reason he did it was because he, Patrick Kent has confirmed, he's on the replacement list for Mick Wallace in the upcoming European elections. If Mick Wallace, who is running here in Ireland South, if he gets elected as an MP, but for whatever reason is unable to fulfil fulfil the position, a candidate from his replacement list is asked to step into the role. And Patrick Kent, now former president of the ICSA, was named as the second replacement for Mick Wallace. So you need Mick Wallace firstly to get the seat. Then you need something to happen to Mick Wallace that he couldn't fulfil the role. And then for some reason, the first replacement couldn't fulfil the role. If that happened, then uh, Patrick Kent would uh, stand in. So I, and I don't know if that's the reason that he stepped down but he did confirm um, that he is on the replacement list for Mick Wallace, but he has stepped down. So that position is available. Now, I don't know. Someone in the know in the ICSA can tell us what's happening if they, if they already have, if people got their names in the hat, in the ring already for that position as president. But somebody is suggesting that Dermot Kelleher uh, certainly should go for uh, it. Thank you for your text to 0862 103 103. Can anybody help us with this? God, this is a heartbreaking one. Harry has contacted the programme today. A friend of his is suffering very badly with anorexia. Uh, not eating, losing an awful lot of weight, as you can imagine. And they have made inquiries locally. 
And any of the well-known groups or well-known organisations that can help out this person with the anorexia are all based in the city. But Harry's friend is living in West Cork and he's contacted us to see if we could put it out on the radio. Does anybody know of anywhere in the West Cork area that somebody battling with anorexia can go to talk to somebody and can go for help rather than having to travel to Cork City every second day. Uh, has anybody had experience with this? Now, you, your friend Harry can't be the first person to have had anorexia or an eating disorder in the West Cork area or indeed in any rural area. So there's got to be help out there. And you are right, a lot of the bigger groups that, you know, a lot offering support will be based in the city and, you know, for obvious reasons, they're where the population base is. So let's put it out there. I'm, I'm hoping and assuming that your friend is already attending the doctor, is getting the medical help that they need. But it's the, the kind of the, the talk therapy side of it. I was just thinking as well, is, was, would there be any good counsellor in the area that would be able to help you out? Somebody who maybe specialises or has a particular interest in eating disorders and an interest in things like anorexia or, or bulimia in the West Cork area, perhaps, that would be able to offer advice and help. So I'm just thinking, I'm talking out loud now as, as I'm saying that. But anyway, let's put it out there. Does anybody know West Cork area, please? So we need to hear from somebody who perhaps in the past has battled anorexia, has lived with a family member who's battled with anorexia, has sought help in the West Cork area, knows where you can get help in the West Cork area. Can you contact us, please, so that we can pass on all of the relevant details to Harry and then Harry can pass it on to his friend. And obviously the friend is looking for help if they're at the stage where she's already gone to the, or he or she, I don't know if it's he or she actually now that I read the the information that I've in, but if the person already has looked into getting help, but getting help means going to the city, it means travelling and that's creating some complications for the person. So help please for somebody suffering with anorexia in the West Cork area. 1850-333-103 if you can help us with that 0862-103-103 The C103 Cork Diary With Cork County Council Supporting businesses Supporting communities Serving Cork Visit corkcoco.ie Castle Magner Senior Club They're hosting their annual talent exhibition The Community Centre tonight at 8 Great talent on show from across the Duhallow area. Light refreshments will be served. A concert to mark the 150th anniversary of St Nicholas's Church in Churchtown will be held this evening at half past seven. Excellent lineup of entertainment to suit everyone. Pioneer Social Night Out is on Balanascarthy tonight, half past nine. Music by Marina. A new parent and toddler group opened in Kilavollen Community Hall called Jolly Tots. They are meeting this afternoon between two and four for a chat, a cuppa and playtime. Children over six months, please, and it is three a euro for the kids. Newmarket Boys School Parents Association, they've got a fundraising pedal-powered cinema night that's on tonight in the CYMS Hall in Newmarket half past seven admission five euro and the movie tonight is Incredibles 2 Butterfield Running Club a four mile road race starts at 8.15 registration open between six and half past seven in the Butterfield GAA Hall Killavollen Angling Club they're holding their open evening 
competition tonight. Meet at the Bridge, please, at six. Timalik Bingo definitely going ahead tonight. And there is a tourism and hospitality event in the Maritime Hotel in Bantry. Uh, today, it's to support the, lo- the local growing tourism and hospitality sector. And Clyder Rovers, GAA Lotto, that's on tonight. Derry Murphy's Bingo is on in Kildallery Parish Hall at half past eight. And Newtown Chandram Community Association, they've got a musical night tonight at eight in the community hall with proceeds going to the cost of erecting speed indicators in the village. And a cancellation for the weekend, it's from Collar Vintage Rally in aid of the local respite care centre planned for this Sunday that's been deferred it goes ahead now instead on the August bank holiday weekend C103 the River Lee and the Echo bring you the Cork City Sports Athletics Awards Athletics Awards every month a panel of sporting experts will give recognition to an outstanding Cork athlete Cork athlete this month's award goes to Eamon Flanagan from Abbey Striders AC. He's recognised for his coaching of three medalists in the women's pole vault at the National Senior Indoor Championship. The Cork City Sports Athletics Award with the River Lee and the Echo and C103. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. For Eurovision fans, tomorrow night is the night we most look forward to. To preview the 64th year of the contest, our Eurovision correspondent, Johnny O'Mahony, joins me. Good afternoon to you, Johnny. Hi, Tricia. How are you? Well, I'm very well. So we're not going to be there tomorrow night. I have to say mixed reaction on the programme today. Everybody feeling sorry for, for Sarah, but a lot of people saying the song just wasn't good enough no it wasn't good enough and and I, I would be I have the same sentiment poor Sarah I mean she did she did her best she did a great job with what she was given and I think you know we, we owe her you know the respect of that at least but um, you know the song wasn't good enough the presentation I think was overdone and um, disappointing uh, result because um, you know it would have been lovely to be in the final tomorrow night but um, it didn't happen and uh, unfortunately that's how it goes we, we need to um to, to look at what we're going to do better next time or kind of, because it, it's more of the same I think really and uh, we need to we need to do something better People are saying go back to the old format of the National Song Contest Yeah I think we need to show um, I mean they, I know there was an open competition for songs this year I don't know how they were chosen or how it was whittled down to uh, Sarah's song for last night um, and I think people probably are saying, oh, well, I've no, you know, we're not going to get through or people aren't bothering to put through their, you know, good songs or whatever. They, you know, people that are, you know, known in the business, they're, they're not bothering with it. So um, I don't know what selection is coming through, what quantity that's, you know, getting actually a fair hearing, maybe, if, if I want to have a better word. But, um, you know, she, the the song this year was not strong enough. And a, a your song type thing would be great, our national song contest. But if people aren't entering the songs first day, that's that's not going to make it even any better. Because if 22 was the best song of the selection this year, to have a competition with more like that or less as not as good. You're, and, you're you know, and it, it's it's strange, really. You know, when you say when you think about that, you know, if people are not entering, I mean, it is the biggest musical event in the world. It, it is the biggest music event in the world, and it's such an opportunity to make contacts. That people have have made contacts for lifelong contacts for work. I mean, people in, in the music industry that have you know across the board, and even like I'll give an example, Linda Martin. Mm-hmm. Who won it in 1992? She performed in Tel Aviv last night. So I mean, it's 
all these things that it can lead to so much and it's not just about performing on stage in Eurovision there's a you can have you know events you can be working throughout the year at different events ask, yeah, ask Johnny Logan Johnny Logan has Huge. made a exactly. massive career we, yeah, we might we mightn't see it or appreciate it here but yeah. he's made a massive career in yeah. Europe out of Eurovision because, yeah, because uh, performers aren't in the charts or whatever and they're out of the public eye here doesn't mean to say that they're doing nothing. They're all working and the majority... Look, a Brotherhood of Man who won in 1976, they still perform live as the same four-piece yeah. from 1976 and all because of Eurovision. Yeah. So, I mean, it, yeah. it, 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 and a lot of the, the um, performers today do that as well. And it's just that we don't know it. And if, if people aren't interested in Eurovision, you don't follow their career or whatever. But, but it is happening. And it is a great um, stepping stone for so many people that a lot of people don't realise what it could be for them. You haven't attended the event for the last few years. Do you <laughs> always feel you miss out by not being there? Um, this year, no. No, I, probably the first year, yeah. It was, it was the first year in 25 that I hadn't been. And this is my third year now. And um, no, I'm fine. Kind of, it, it, with um, social media now, it's so easy to see what's going on. You can see the yeah. rehearsals online and stuff. But missing the buzz and missing the, the fun. But that that's about all because ev- everything else is there. And, and it's good to kind of sit at home and watch it on TV again. You know, like the old days, <laughs> as it was for me then. You know, it's an, it's enjoyable. And there's there's more excitement, I think, because I'm not 100% sure how it's going to happen or yeah. what's going to happen because I wouldn't have seen everything. But, um, and well, and Dave, Dave uh, Cargill, who joined us the last two, uh, the, twice this week, uh, he was because I was I'd read online that the number of overseas fans was way down for for Israel uh, this year for Tel Aviv. I think it was five thousand, whereas it was thirty thousand uh, last year. But he was saying that that's not really got a, some of it would have to do with the boycott, but it's not even got a lot to do with that. The cost of going to Tel Aviv was very the cost expensive, was very high this year for Tel Aviv, and even the availability of tickets wasn't as great as in other years because they, um, the, the uh, European Wide Fan Club that has all different, um, each country has their own membership and tickets are allocated on a percentage basis. And I think there was only 12 tickets allocated to the Irish group this year, whereas there was a demand, I think there was 40-something applied for tickets, but there was only 12 available. So that that was that was um, put a lot of people off from all over Europe because they didn't have the seating capacity for everybody. Mm. But the the tickets were a, a ticket package this year. I think came in the range of nine hundred to a thousand euro. You know, which was ex- that's was excessive. Very, yeah, yeah, that's, that's, yeah, that's without your flights, your hotel, and everything else that you need. Oh, that's that's just for tickets for the show. That's leaving flights, hotel, food, spending money, everything out of it. Yeah. So okay. I mean, it, it was an expense. That was going to turn sure. people off. Okay. How? What are you making of Tel Aviv's staging of the event? I think it's fantastic production. Yeah. Really, really good. It's um, it's very slick. It's very smooth, and it's you know, it, it's working well. There's there's nothing really. I think the pre- presenters could tone it down a bit. There's just a bit too much. Um, kind of we've seen it all before, mm. but it's 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 a very good show. It's very well very well produced and uh, coming across very well I don't see any um, hitches or anything going wrong and if, if anything has gone wrong they've covered it up pretty well but um, it's, it's it's a great show and um, even I, I was in Israel in 99 for the 99 contest and even then it was very very slick and it seems the same here yeah, you know, and yeah. it, it's a much bigger event now than it was then and um, you know there's I, I think Israeli it, it can are in a new broadcasting 
company, I mean, because the Israeli Broadcasting Company uh, disappeared and uh, Cannes was formed. Because they so announced it, didn't they, at one of the Eurovisions? Yeah, that it was and, gone and, and that they wouldn't be they wouldn't be coming back and the next they reappeared with the new yeah. broadcasting company. Yeah, yeah and uh, it, it, it's a great they're, they're doing a great job. And they certainly seem to have money behind them. Madonna, the interval act tomorrow yeah. night. Yeah, absolutely. Apparently, over a million now. I don't know whether it's dollars or shekels or euros or pounds, <coughs> but it's over a million she's getting. And uh, I mean, for the likes of Sarah now to have performed on the same stage as Madonna yeah. in the same way. You know, it's a big undertaking. It's a big, it's a big um, you know, thing to say, well, I performed at the same time as, as Madonna. But it's, it's a big coup for them to have yeah. Madonna there. And uh, it's a big draw. And I, I think it, in, in lots of ways, um, people are saying that's why the ticket prices are so high because they have to pay for Madonna. But if they had more seating capacity, you would have had a much bigger... I'd say there's a lot of people there that are Madonna fans and are only going to see Madonna in a in a smaller setting than uh, they'd have more an, an opportunity to get to 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 see her close up than yeah. you know would in a big arena tour or something. Okay, your favourites uh, for this year? I think for me, um, Australia, Netherlands are my top two for tomorrow night. I think they've uh, Australia. I heard the song snap before. and snap. I'm with you on both. Oh yeah, yeah. that's good. That's good. Um, Australia, I had heard, and I didn't think much of it, but when the whole presentation, yeah. it all comes together and, it, and it's very good. Netherlands, I love the simplicity so of do it. I. And, and it's so good. But one that hit me last night that I kind of thought all along is Malta. Yeah, now, I, yeah. I, I, I they were the last to qualify last night. That's right. They were the last to qualify. I don't love it, but it's performed very well. It's catchy, but it's on first tomorrow night. Okay. And that's, that's a big, it, that can be a big advantage to perform first. It can be a disadvantage, but it can be a great advantage if it's good. And um, she, could, she could do very well tomorrow night. So I think... The Australian I, um, song is so... When I heard it first, I just thought, what the hell are the Australians thinking of? It was, the, yeah. it was so bizarre. It, it's, it's one of those ones that grows on you. It's very Kate Bush Yes, it is. Yeah, and she looks like Frozen from from Elsa yeah. from Frozen. There's also a feel of of the musical Wicked about it, and yeah. the staging is amazing. But we're the back again. If Australia win, Johnny, they're not going to host it in Sydney. No, well, you see, the whole agreement has been no Australia will not host. But I think if for Australia were to win, I think they will fight with every fiber <laughs> to have it in Australia. I, I honestly do believe, and we, we've all said that from day one when Australia, you know, wait until Australia, win, even if they'd won the first year they participated, I think they would push, push, push. But it depends on, you know, who comes second, because if, say, for example, Australia won and Netherlands came second, Netherlands would say, well, we're, we're next in line. And the agreement was that Australia wouldn't host. So I, I, there's a, I'd say a lot of stuff in contracts that would need to be done. But there is a possibility that if Australia would win, there is a chance that it, it might be there. I, but I it's the, 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 the obvious problem outside of the cost is the time zone issue. We can't have yes. them singing in the middle. Of, well, we'd have to have them singing in the middle of the night, wouldn't we? Well, no, we wouldn't because it would be um, EVU rules. And because it's the middle of the night in Australia when it's performed there. Yeah. It, it would go, they would have to tie in with the say the European zone yeah you know, because it you know that's that what's was, happening in Israel at the moment it's very late yeah. at night in Israel it, it's, it's like it's 10 o'clock when it starts there and even I mean when we were on Baku it started at midnight 
Yeah. If my memory serves, 11 or there, I tell you, Australia are in with the, they are certainly in with a chance to, a chance Big tomorrow time. night. They, yeah, they're, 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 they're doing well. Um, okay, so call your top three then. You're going with um, Australia, Netherlands. Australia, Netherlands and Oh, I don't know. Possibly Malta. Possibly Malta. Okay. All right. I'll put in Sweden, Denmark and Azerbaijan just for the sake of it. Can I just say last night's was definitely the stronger of the two semi-finals. Very, very much so. And I think if if you look down the list of the final songs, final 26, there's two songs that I think shouldn't be there. That's one from Tuesday night, San Marino, which I think shouldn't have qualified. And Albany from last night, I think shouldn't have qualified. The other 24 tomorrow night, I think, yeah, they're, you know, any any one of them deserves to be there. Yeah, they're all strong songs. Strong songs. Yes. Okay. Yes. So are you having a Eurovision party, Johnny, or how will I, you watch it? I will be watching I'm off to Spain today. For oh, week. are you? Okay. So I'll, be watch, I'll be watching somewhere in the sunshine tomorrow. And it's big, it's big in Spain because they're one of the big fraud. They're one of the big... Spain. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, as far as I know, there's a few places that are showing on big screen and uh, that's, you know, so to be, to be a good um, a good buzz there and Spain are up last tomorrow night in the running order so um, and their song know, is, is La Venda I think it's called yeah. and it, it's quite catchy is it okay I, I, you know when I heard it first I thought yeah this could do very well but I, I, I don't know if it will okay but um, it, but you'll, be, you'll have to shout for Spain tomorrow night anyway when I, you're there I'd be in the sunshine but not in television okay well enjoy the sun and thanks a million pleasure as always we'll thanks, talk Chris, again thanks a million bye bye that is uh, Johnny O'Mahony our Eurovision correspondent 1850 when we had the National Song Contest we won so many times and when we didn't win we always finished in the top eight says uh, Bill and lots of people going on that line bring back the old National Song Contest and thank you to people giving us information about making wills and roughly the price of making a will uh, someone was on to say myself and my husband Mary myself and my husband made our will uh, about three weeks ago and it cost 230 euro that was for both wills okay thank you for that and Kathleen says cost of making a will in McCroom 60 euro oh that's certainly come in as the cheapest that we've heard of uh, today 1850 let's take a break and we are back talking movies with uh, Mark Malone This is the Court Today replay on C103 I'm Mark Malone, our movie reviewer in studio. Good afternoon to you. And you are very welcome. Sorry, I'm on the wrong one. I'm on the right one now. OK, you went to the movies to see Longshot and I'm looking forward to you reviewing the DVD because it's Stan and Ollie. But here is a quick clip from Longshot. I need some writers to punch up my speeches for my presidential run. You're a great writer. But sometimes you're a little too much. I don't think I am too much. I actually think I'm the perfect right portion. Oh, God. That in order to write better for you, I should kind of get to know you better. You dress me like Captain Crunch's grinder date. I like him. Why? And he knows me. Whoa! You think that'll like go viral? This is the news. Okay, we've got a comedy going on here anyway, for sure. Yeah, it's a satirical comedy. You know, it's a political kind of satire. Okay. Yeah, but it's got Seth Rogen in it, and he's kind of had a hand in the writing of it and the producing of it. So therefore, you'll get a lot of gross out stuff. 
amongst all the clever stuff. Okay. But it does work. I mean, you, you don't think it would. And when, you, when I saw the trailer, I did think, oh, I'm not too sure about this. But, um, you know, it's gotten very good reviews. People t- do tend to like it. And it is way better and funnier than you actually do think Do you like Seth Rogen? I do, you see. That's the yeah. thing. I mean, you know, I mean, I know people who can't stand him, who can't watch uh, any of his films. But mm. I, I do, yeah. You know, he plays this kind of schlubby kind of characters. You know, he plays a lot of those. But what he does, I mean, somebody asked him about this recently. He does write movies where he does kind of team up with very beautiful women. And they do wind him up about it and say, there's no way in reality you would ever end up with a woman like this. And he's like, I, I find that really rather insulting. But he knows uh, it's quite well. It's Charlie Theron. Charlie Theron, yeah, exactly. Apparently, you know, she used to babysit him when he was a very, very young boy. And he had a mad crush on her. She then has moved up in the political world. And she is working for the American government and she decides that she, she's Secretary of State so therefore she decides she wants to run for president. Her current president is a president who has come from TV and is not particularly intelligent. You see, what, like, see, yeah. what, see what's happening. See where we're going here? Yes, exactly. So she decides to run for president but she needs a scriptwriter, and he is a... Um, he is a journalist, and uh, but uh, somebody who's very kind of self-righteous and very, very, very political. And uh, apparently the newspaper uh, that um, he works for has been bought out by a guy by the name of Parker Wembley, who apparently is Australian and owns a lot of media. Oh, my God. Um, you know, newspapers. <laughs> yeah, and he yeah. doesn't particularly like this man, as you can imagine. And uh, he's played actually here by Andy Serkis, uh, which is interesting because it's like Andy Serkis is in a completely different film because he comes in with all this prosthetics. And then, in fact, I presume he's meant to be Robert Maxwell but in reality I think he looks more like kind of Steve Bannon and I think there was a lot of that kind of mixture of kind of thoughts gone into the way he looked in the film and completely obnoxious and not a very nice character at all so he decides he will leave the newspaper because it's being bought out by this company and even there's lots of reference to to um, this Parker Wembley it's called Wembley TV which is this news 24 hour news station from the United States which has a particular kind of an interesting viewpoint on on politics and life and uh, there's constant kind of references to these two presenters who are doing this show with this woman and you could see the woman's just cringing in between and while these two men are just spouting this obnoxious sexist misogynist nonsense while she sits there and smiles and takes it you know what I mean because um, that's what she has to do because it's her job exactly yeah. so there's a lot of that satire and there's a lot of that happening and that makes it very very entertaining but then again at the same time he does a lot of falling he falls out windows he you know he falls downstairs so there's a lot of that and because of course it's Seth Rogen there's a bit of drug taking going on yeah. you know what I mean I believe he's um, uh, producing his new own brand of, of cannabis because it's legal in, in a number of states now in the yeah. United States and so there's a lot of that and so uh, but Charlize Theron is very very good I mean she does carry like the movie her. she is excellent because yeah. you know in the la- she said in the last few films that she's made she's just basically been killing people and so she said I want to do a nice kind of rom-com and when it's funny it's really really funny there are times when you cringe at some of it when it, it doesn't really work but I have to say that uh, you know the director uh, made uh, two uh, well one terrific film called 50 50 a couple of years ago which I really really liked he made a film with Goldie Hawn called Snatched which was okay um, so look yeah it is a 15 cert because there are some rude stuff as you'd expect from uh, uh, from Seth Rogen but yes I did enjoy it very very much and, and it's I called Long Shot yes. being Long Shot for the, pres- for the presidency exactly, yes. is, 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 the, is the hence the title and mark it out of 10 I give it 7 7 out of 10 okay yeah. and that's in the cinemas at the moment now out on DVD and streaming is Stan and uh, Ollie and uh, this is the Lauren and Hardy Yes, the story of Lauren and Hardy. Do you learn a lot about Lauren and Hardy in this you, stuff well, that you didn't know? It's not. It's not really the story of them. It's 
the story of this tour that they decided to undertake back in the 50s, uh, where they decided to do this tour of Ireland and Britain. And okay. we learned certainly that... This is post-war, post... Well, yes, it yeah. is. It okay. is, yes. I mean, uh, th- their career is on the wane. And so they decided to take part in this very gruelling tour of, of these two islands. And, you know, at that time, um, it has to be said that uh, Oliver Hardy wasn't really in great health. Uh, he was 62 by this stage. His knees weren't great. His heart He's the heavy great. guy. He, yes, exactly. Yeah. And um, and so, but they decided to do it anyway. And the film is basically about that tour, whereas they're coming to the end, basically, of their careers. And the relationship uh, between the two men, which is, you know, it's just, it's a it's a loving, friendly relationship. But, you know, they were, it's not constantly loving. I mean, there are tensions between the two of them. And, you know, at, at one stage, for example, uh, where they were uh, working for Hal Roach, not the comedian, uh, okay. they're way back. Um, Hardy, because he was under contract, had to go and make another film. And that always kind of irked kind of Stan Laurel. He never liked the fact that he did that. And um, and it, it's something that's brought up even in this film was they're doing this tour. And he goes, that was 15 years ago. Why are you reminding me of this? And he said, because it hurt me. Because, you know, we are a team. A, a team. We are a pair. So therefore, you went away and made this film. And he said, look, I was contractually obliged to do it. I had no other chance. I had no other choice to do it. And th- there were kind of tensions between them, all right, and mainly due to the fact that the amount of work that uh, that Stan Laurel used to do, because Stan kind of was the kind of goofy, kind of, you know, slightly silly kind of yeah. the two. But in fact, he was the driving force behind it. And he, yeah, he always came across as the less intelligent. He was the stupid Exactly. One. But he was yeah. the one who wrote all the scripts. And yeah. he was the one who would sit up late at night writing the scripts, whilst Oliver Hardy would just party all the time. And there's even reference to this where, oh, you were in, you know, Tijuana recently, you know, um, you managed to make your way back then, you know, because so even uh, at the age of 62, he was still partying, even though he was married. Uh, the two wives are extraordinary. I mean, somebody refers to the fact that uh, when they arrive at a party with the two wives, somebody uh, refer- reference, uh, references them as two double acts for the price of one because the, the wives were very strong and and, uh, and extraordinary as well, but did love both of their husbands. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a you know, it's a love affair between these people uh, as well and it's it's beautifully done and you know they come to uh, Britain and Ireland at the start of the tour the uh, audiences aren't great there are the numbers are small so they have to do a lot of kind of um, uh, kind of publicity kind of stunts to try and get publicity for their tour which they didn't particularly want to do at one stage you know they're waiting for their wives to come back from America and they say to each other don't tell the wives what we've done because they will not approve yeah. uh, but slowly and surely that the numbers get a little bit better and then they come to Ireland and they come to Cove and the famous time back in 1953 when they came to Cove yeah. and, and people alive today still remember that exactly and yeah, people still talk about that and they were very genuinely touched you know believe very much so by the reception that they got here yeah. in Ireland especially because here in Ireland they uh, were huge they were huge yeah. and you know all, all of the, 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 the night halls that they went to were all packed and all, all the, 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 t- the tickets were sold and when they arrived in Cove actually um, the guy who does the bells in the, um, uh, in the cathedral Okay. Uh, play the cuckoo uh, song, and he and he went to meet and that, him, and that really happened. And that really happened. He's oh. still alive as well, by the way, Whoa. and still talks about it. And so, actually, they didn't film in Cove; they they, they filmed it in Bristol. Uh, they kind of matted it in the, the cathedral at the back. Yeah. Uh, you know, the thing is, stay for the credits at the end. I think as well because we do see the, the two boys uh, and the, some of the original dancers. And you know, we have two incredible stars here. 
And what they do is they have worked really, really hard. And you can see that they've worked with Steve Coogan and, oh, and John C. Reilly. But they look like them. They look like them. And, and you know, John C. Reilly does have uh, a lot of makeup and a lot of prosthetics. But, um, you know, Steve Coogan is such a, a brilliant impersonator. He just kind of just puts a kind of hangdog expression and he becomes Stan Laurel. And they have recreated the dances and the songs brilliantly. Go on YouTube, by the way, because somebody has actually done that. They've actually split screened the two of them uh, and with well, the original on that. And it's fabulous. I mean, you could see the amount of work and love. And it's obvious that these two actors loved uh, Laurel and Hardy, just like you and I did, because we grew yeah, up watching them on yeah. Saturday mornings on TV. And I've always loved them. And this is a beautiful trip. It, it's, a, it's, it's a love letter to these uh, to this extraordinary pair. And um, I would say to you uh, off air before we came on that I know of, of uh, people who went along uh, to see it when it was at the movies, because we're talking about it, it's out on, on DVD now. Uh, it's quite emotional. I got very emotional watching yeah. it, yeah, because it is a love story between these two men. And um, it's beautifully done. It's beautifully um, uh, performed. It, you know, they recreated the 50s very, very well. And I, you know, I was very touched by the film. And, um, uh, I, you know, if, if you don't even have to be a fan of of these uh, of this pair, um, but certainly if you're not of them, then I think you will enjoy the movie. Well, I, think I think it's, it's yeah, and it's going to reintroduce a new the younger generation to Stan and... Well, I did that with the teenagers, you see, yeah. because we watched did it and she really enjoyed it and she wanted to and see it. And would she be aware of Lauren and Hardy? She, she would have been aware of them, but, but before we saw the film, I did go on YouTube and showed her, um, you know, some of the songs, some of the dancers. And, yeah. Uh, and, uh, yeah, and I think that helped. And she thought it was really, really funny as well. Yeah. Uh, and she thought they were great, and uh, which is really, really good. Um, I, I love the film. I think it's fabulous and uh, I would recommend it for everybody to see it. Yeah, and you, they're a generation, really. They're, I mean, I know if, if you look for modern day you'd probably say Anton Deck would you know if you were trying to find a modern day mm-hmm. Stan and Laurel but like really they're an era that's gone we'll never see their likes again uh, No I suppose uh, Mark and Wise were pretty close I Mark and Wise yeah uh, but again you know. it's all in the past isn't it it's, uh, they're yeah, gone I, Yeah I, I can't really think of any other kind of yeah. duos who are out there doing that kind of thing yeah um, but uh, yeah it's a, it's a love story it's uh, it's beautiful it's it's very heartwarming story and uh, it's lovely Highly and recommend I, it Very much so yeah Okay so mark it out of 10 I'm going to give it a 10 Oh is that the first 10 of the year no, it's the third. Third. I'm giving away tens here, left, right, and centre. It's lovely. It must be an age thing, Mark. You're, you're softening with age, but it's well worth seeing. That's uh, Stan and Ollie. Thank you for that. Have a lovely week, and uh, we will chat to you again next week. That is Mark Malone, our movie uh, reviewer. And by the way, thank you to a number of people when we were talking about the anorexia and looking for help in West Cork. A number of people are suggesting uh, Lishine's house, and thanks to Joan in McComb, who's given us a lot of details. We'll pass that on. That's where I leave you. Uh, talk to you Monday at 10. This summer, thousands of people will love this feeling. You can experience it too. C103 invites you to run the Irish Examiner Cork City Marathon. Sunday, June 2nd. Whatever your fitness, whatever your goal, whatever your reason, we want you to hit the streets. Hit the streets. Or go solo in the half or full marathon. Register now at CorkCityMarathon.ie. CorkCityMarathon.ie. The Irish Examiner Cork City Marathon. Sunday, June 2nd. With C103. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowlin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowlin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlinBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.